chapter 4, read verses 3 and 4 today. Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. It says here in verse 3 that now when the tempter came to him, speaking of Jesus, he said, If You are the Son of God. Command these stones to be made bread. Came to Jesus and said, If you be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning as I shared with you last week that on the next time that I preach that I want to talk to you this morning about you better talk back. You better talk back. I know that um, your mama taught you not to talk back and your daddy taught you not to talk back but there are times when you have to talk back. Amen. Jesus never talked back on the cross. He won the battle in a private place. A lot of people want to do warfare in a public place. But God desires us to win our battles in a private place. I believe that there are times whenever we need to show the world uh, what we stand for, what we believe in. We need to show the world uh, that uh, we believe in Jesus, that we believe in um, good morals. We believe in uh, certain things that are standards that we believe in. But, but I don't believe that we need to be picketing and sending out uh, marching and all of that without first winning the battle in the private place. Jesus didn't have to talk on the cross because he already won the battle in the garden. And we have a whole lot of folks wearing the cross around their neck Uh, suggesting that that's victory and it is a symbol of victory but I submit to you that if we really wanted to display where victory came from we ought to wear a golden golden garden around our neck because it was in the garden where the warfare took place it was in the garden where that the battle took place it is where in the garden where Jesus uh, just yielded himself totally and completely you know the story I don't have to go there but he was totally submitted to the father in the garden so that when it came to the public place there was no struggle It was now not my will, but your will be done. It is now that he is silent. But I want you to walk with me today because Jesus wasn't always silent. Amen. And I want to say today that God doesn't curse you. We curse ourselves with dumb stuff that we do. Amen. I'm going to say that again. God doesn't curse you. We curse ourselves with dumb decisions. 
And as we make foolish decisions, the consequences of those decisions, you shall reap what you sow. And so it is out of those things that we make foolish decisions and we reap from those decisions that we make. And, and some people say, well, God's cursed me. No, God loves you. We just sung about his love. We sung about his unmerited favor and his grace and his mercy. He's a loving God. Amen. Amen. And so, but we do foolish things and then the consequences of it, sometimes we want to blame on God. Amen. But I want to say today that, that God loves us and we, we say and do things that sow seeds that produce things in our life that we don't want to have happen. But because we sow those seeds by what we say or what we do, I tell you, I tell you this, I know that Jesus made the lump, the lame to walk, but I'm here today to tell you Facebook made the dumb talk. Amen. There is power in your words. In fact, the Bible says there's power of life and death are in your words. And so he says we have a choice to make and we should choose life and not death. Amen. We should choose life and not death. If our words can bring a curse, our words can also lift the curse. If our words can bring a curse, our words can also bring a blessing. And in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3, it said, Now the tempter, we know that's the devil, came to Jesus and he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. I want to say to you today that you can expect your enemy to challenge the validity of what God has said to you. Every time you can, you can expect to be challenged by the enemy on the validity of what God has spoken into your heart. If it's in times of prayer, if it's in reading the scripture, if it's in times of worship, however it comes, there is always going to be a challenge of that by your enemy. Just think about the last thing that God said to you. If he told you you're the head and not the tail, if he told you you're above and not beneath, if he told you that you're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. And then when you think about that, then think about what happened just after that. Because all kinds of self-esteem issues show up. You felt like that you were a dirty dog and, and you couldn't make it. And, and you're thinking that, that where did all of these thoughts come from? Well, I tell you where the thoughts come from. They came from your enemy that came to challenge what God had spoken to you in times of worship, times of prayer, if it's a Sunday service, if it's a time of intercession. Last Sunday, God told me, I'm the head, I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. And where did all of these thoughts come from? God told me. I know that he told me last Sunday. I know that he told me. And now Monday rolls around. And the devil shows up at your door. And he says, if. If you're the head and not the tail. If you're above and not beneath. If 
you are victorious. If you're really a child of God, if, and he begins to speak to you to challenge the validity of the word released over your life. Amen. And we see it over and over that whenever God begins to speak to you, there is always going to be an encounter with your adversary. Maybe you've been declaring that he's my source. Maybe you've been declaring that he is my resource, that he is my supply. He he is my El Shaddai. But your checkbook says if. If you're so blessed, if you've got, if you are the the head and not the tail, if he is your El Shaddai, if he's your supplier, then why does your checkbook look like this? Maybe you're saying, I've got the peace of God. Huh? I've got God's peace waving over my life like a river. And suddenly a storm comes to challenge your peace. Because the enemy always is going to challenge what God has said over your life. That's the enemy's job to undermine your destiny of your life. By causing you to question the validity of the word of God that has come to your life. When the enemy engages you with the thoughts and the questions of if and, and, and if you are the son of God, if you are so blessed, if you are healed, if you are the healed of the Lord, if you are what God says you are, then why, why is all of these things happening in your life? I want to tell you in those times and in those seasons, you better learn how to talk back. You, you don't learn to talk back. Whoever gets the last word wins. Amen. You see, sometimes you've just got to talk back because the mood of your life is going to be reflected by who has spoken the last word over your life. And so God can be saying to you that you're blessed and favored. But if you allow the enemy to come in with his if and it's the last thing over your life, then you're going to live with a cloud of doubt and confusion over your life for that season until you learn how to talk back. It's amazing to me how much that we have allowed the enemy to dominate and control our lives in this generation. We know more Bible than we we've ever known we have more preaching than we've ever had we have a church on every corner and yet the church doesn't know how to talk back yeah, I want to tell you today it's the reason that we're in the mess that we're in and we've got to learn how to speak the word of the Lord we've got to learn how to declare the decree the Lord has spoken over us not because of where we're at not because of how we feel but because we believe the report of the Lord we believe the promise of God and so we begin to declare that word and however many times the devil talks to us If it's once, if it's twice, if it's three times, I'm not going to stop talking back. I'm going to declare the word of the Lord until I get the last word because the word of the Lord is going to dominate and produce the mood of my life. Amen. The Bible said three times the tempter comes and says, if... 
you be the son of God. And three times Jesus talks back and says, it is written. Amen. He didn't give some theology. He didn't give some some great quote. He spoke the word. Amen. And I want to say that some of us need to go home and look in the mirror and begin to talk back and tell the enemy, you're not going to tell me that I don't have a future. You're not going to tell me that I'm not going to succeed. You're not going to tell me that my children are going to go to hell. You're not going to tell me that my family is going to be broken up. You're not going to tell me that I'm going to die a sick individual. I am the healed of the Lord. My family is blessed and is for me and my house. We will. you got to learn the word of God. That's the reason why you can't just show up on Sunday morning and then go the rest of the week. Amen. And let the devil beat the hell out of you. You've got to understand today that the anointing of the Lord and the word of God has authority. It has power. That's the reason why David said, I hid your word in my heart that I would not sin against you. When you know the word of God, you can speak the word of God. But if you don't know the word of God, then you just believe whatever the devil tells you. Amen. You got to learn how to talk back. I know it's dangerous, but tell your neighbor, you better talk back. You want to know how to engage your enemy? Just learn to talk back. Amen. David went out before Goliath. And you know the story. He's there for many days. The children of Israel are humped up in pup tents. They're scared to death of him. David's brothers, they're military men. They're men of war. This isn't their first rodeo. They've been in warfare before. They have dealt with Goliaths before. They dealt with enemies before. But now what does Goliath do? He uses what the enemy always uses. He begins to open his mouth. And he begins to roar against Israel. He begins to tell them how insignificant they are. He tells them how incapable they are. He tells them, there. he goes there and he speaks to them morning, noon, and evening. He doesn't just show up and say, send me somebody to fight. Read it in the scripture. He goes there in the morning and he intimidates them with words. He goes back of the afternoon and he reinforces his intimidation with words. He goes back in the evening and says, you still don't have anybody for me, little Israel. What's wrong with you? Are you scared? Are you afraid? Are you intimidated? Send me somebody to fight. When you read this, where this story happened, it is interesting to me that it happened in the land of Judah. It happened in the land of praise. But the enemy had their praise locked up. The enemy had their mouth shut. 
Their enemy had been roaring in their life till no one was praising, no one was worshiping in the very valley of Judah, in the very valley of praise and worship. The enemy has them lockjawed and nobody is saying a word. Fear has filled their hearts. Their mouths are sealed shut because this great large man has come with intimidating words. And he speaks against them morning, noon, and evening. And he has them in a place where they are intimidated and fear and will not even worship in the land of worship. Amen. I'm so concerned today that it used to be that folks wouldn't worship outside the church. But it seems to me to Today that folk have a hard time worshiping God right up in the church. They don't have a shout. They don't have a praise. They don't have a clap. They don't have a worship. They, they, the enemy has us locked jawed. He, he has us where he wants us and we're intimidated and fearful to say a word but the devil is a liar. Amen. God has created us for worship. He has created us to praise him but thank God there was one worship worshiper among them. Thank God there was one among us. It only takes one. It takes a brave worshiper. It takes a brave somebody that'll get up and begin to open their mouth and give God a hallelujah. Give God a thank you Jesus. Give God a praise from the fruit of their lips that will break the atmosphere and cause everything in that same place to shift. Why? Because when you begin to dare to open your mouth against your enemy the power of God is greater than the power of your adversary and it will silence the roar it'll change the atmosphere it'll shift everything that needs to be shift why because there's power in praise somebody bless him right here thank God there was one he wasn't counted as his brothers were his daddy didn't even think he was much. Huh? When they came to bring before them all of the people, all of his sons to who would be the next king, you know the story. He wasn't even invited to the party. If you don't think that'll give you a complex. Amen. His own daddy didn't think he was valuable, didn't think he was worthy, didn't think that he was capable of being what God would call him to be. But thank God he had a praise in him. He had a shout, he had a voice, and he was not intimidated. A young teenage boy, amen. But he comes to bring his, his brothers some, some food, right? And he comes and finds the roar of Goliath that is roaring. And he looks at his brothers and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That is defying God's people. Amen. Now, I don't have time to preach it today and I don't even know how David knew. But he said he is an uncircumcised Philistine. If he was, hadn't been circumcised, it meant he wasn't in covenant with God. 
Come on, somebody. He said, now, if he's not in covenant with our God, why are we allowing him to intimidate us like this? If he's not a covenant God, if he's not of the household of faith, then why are you allowing this? Oh, hallelujah. Why are you allowing this to take place? They said, well, David, if you want to go out there, we'll, we'll do this and we'll do that. He said, oh, no, I don't need all of that. All I need is what's inside of me. I've got to praise on the inside. Glory to God. And the Bible said that when he went out there, you know the story, right? He goes out there and Goliath starts his yelling. He starts roaring at him saying, I call for a man to fight and you've sent me a little boy. You said, I'm going to feed your flesh to the fowls of the air. I'm going to tear you apart and you're going to be destroyed this day. But it did not cause David to cower. It did not cause David to back up. It caused him to speak up. Amen. And he started talking back and he said, look here, Goliath, you came to me with a spear and you came to me with a sword. But I want you to know today I came to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I came to you in the name of the one that gave me victory over a bear. I came to you in the name of the one who gave me victory over a lion. I fought many battles. I fought many warfares and the name of Jesus has brought me through them all. And I'm here today to take your head back to my leader. I'm here today to take your head off. You roaring thing. Sometimes in your life you don't just have to talk to the thing. You've got to cut its head off because your shout will bring it down but you've got to take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and cut that thing's head off so it will not ever get up again and you will have victory the rest of your life over that situation. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He talked back to his enemy. Amen. Jesus has fasted 40 days and 40 nights and the enemy was trying to get him to make a decision based on his appetite rather than his assignment. The enemy will come to you and try to get you to make decisions based on your appetite instead of your assignment. The enemy will show up and try to get him to fulfill a natural need in an illegitimate way. And he shows up at your house and he tries to get you to make decisions based off of your appetite and not your assignment. He'll say, you're hungry for that. You deserve that. You know you're hungry for affirmation. You know you're hungry for attention. You deserve to buy something. So that you can impress somebody who doesn't even care. Amen. Because he tempts you in the place of your appetite. Amen. 
He tempts you in the place. You, you don't tempt a man with a steak who is a vegetarian. Huh? You don't tempt an individual in a place that they don't have an appetite. And the enemy always comes to the place where you're hungry, where you have an appetite. If it's for things. Huh? If it's lust. If it's money. He always comes to that place of hunger, that place of appetite. And he tempts you with it. To try to get you to take the appetite over your assignment. How many know there are some things that your appetite doesn't mean that it is bad? Doesn't mean it is sin. But it does mean it's not beneficial for you. It's not good for you. Because you eating at this place of your appetite can derail you from your assignment. Ain't nobody talking to me today. But we've got to understand today that we are on an assignment. We have a mission. We have a purpose. We have a mandate. We were not just merely slipped into this world because our mama and daddy got together. Oh no, we, we are here on purpose. We're for such a time as this. We have come into the kingdom. And if we're not careful, we'll allow the appetite to draw us away till we miss our assignment and fulfillment in life. Do you know what I believe is the most miserable and the most sorry thing in the world is when somebody dies and goes through all of this life and dies and don't know why they've been here the richest place in this planet is not Fort Knox the richest place in this planet is the graveyard where people have gone with unfulfilled dreams unfulfilled destiny and never fulfilling their purpose in life You got to learn how to talk back. Jesus said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus answered his enemy with the word. But watch this, the next time the enemy tempts him, he tempts him with the word. The enemy will take the word that you know and will twist it and pervert it to make you live a lie. Amen. He'll take the word and twist it and pervert it. Say, that ain't what it really means. This is what it's really saying. Take it out of context. Twist it around. And he said, if you be the son of God, he said, the word says he will give his angels charge over you. 
and keep you in all of your ways unless you dash your foot against the stone. Now, isn't that the scripture? But yet, it's out of context. It's out of season. It's not Jesus' present word. Are you with me? Peter walked on the water. Huh? Jesus said, come. And he gets out of the boat and he walks on the water. If you can use the word at any time, then why don't you go over the Ohio River and walk on the water? See what happens. It's not your word. Come on. Trying to help us here today. So we got to take the word in context and in season. And yes, God would preserve us and he will protect us. But whenever we go out and willingly jump off of a cliff... Remember, I started this by saying we, <laughs> we do dumb things. He can preserve us. He can protect us. But we don't tempt the Lord. Amen? So the first thing he does is he says, if. The second thing he does is he twists the word. And then the third thing he does is this. He says, I'll give you. Now notice this. It's the same trick that, the, the last, the, that he uses on the last Adam that worked on the first Adam. Because he promises him something that he already possesses. Adam, he said, if you eat of this fruit, you'll become like God. Adam was already like God. And now he comes to Jesus and says, if you do this, I'll give you the kingdoms. If you do this, I'll I'll give you this and I'll give you that. But the problem was, is Jesus, that last Adam didn't fall for it because he knew that he already possessed it. If you don't know what you already have, then you'll accept a counterfeit. You've got to know what is rightfully yours in the word of God. Jesus said, I am done with you. You go away. Why? Because Jesus knew who he was. He knew that he was the son of God. He knew that he had power over all the powers of the enemy. He knew what he was doing. He knew who he was. And he spoke out of that authority into this situation and says, yes, you come to me to try to make me doubt. You come to me to try to twist my father's words. You come to me to try to give me something that already belongs to me. I'm done with you. You just get away from me, Satan. Amen. And when you talk back, you got to do three things. Are you ready? When you talk back, number one, you must speak accurately. You can't fight the enemy with quotes and slogans. Amen. Quit trying to fight the devil. Quoting bumper stickers. Amen. 
People trying to fight spiritual battles with natural quotes. I hear people say crazy things all the time. Like one of them you hear all the time, well, the Lord only helps those who help their self. Quit saying that. That's not in the Bible. Amen. It's not in there. Quiet in here today. Amen. The devil is not scared of your quote. The devil is not scared. He doesn't back up because you 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 speak Einstein. He doesn't speak up because you 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 can quote you know all of these great minds of days gone by. He don't care about that because it's all in the natural and it comes out of a natural mind. But when you speak the word, the word of God, this is why you must use the word. Jesus said the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak, they're both spirit. They have spirit in them and they have life in them. A quote or a slogan has no spirit and it cannot produce any life. But whenever you speak the word of God, it is alive. It is quick. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It goes to the very mire and the bone. Amen. So it has spirit in it. And it begins to, that spirit begins to work against the spirit that's working against you. But not only does it work against and go in warfare against the spirit that's coming against you, but it produces life in you. That's the reason why you can declare the word of the Lord in a circumstance of your life when your circumstance looks nothing like the word. But you begin to speak the word of God that God has spoken unto you. And you begin to declare that even though you look like the hiney, that God said, I'm the head. Come on, somebody. When you feel like you're down, amen, you say he has caused me to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, my Lord. You've got to quote the word of God and the word of God begins to war against the spirit that is warring against you and begins to create a life of the word that will produce his word in you. But we don't even use the word anymore. When you say Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's a spirit in that. There's life in those words. Amen. That become, begins, to give, begins to give life, giving force inside of you. That you are victorious in all situations. Not only do we have to speak accurately, we have to speak adamantly. We don't just speak at one time and then change our confession. But we've got to keep our confession the same because it's the word of God that we believe.
As many times as your enemy speaks to you, you speak back. You talk back. How long do I go uh, doing this? As long as the enemy keeps it up, you keep speaking the word. As long as the enemy keeps telling you how you're going to be defeated, how you're going to be destroyed, you keep speaking the word to him. Amen. Why? Because I'm never going to quit fighting for my mind. Because whoever has my mind is going to have my life. Amen. So you're not coming in this house right here and just sashay around and do whatever you want to. I'm going to put a guard over my thoughts. I'm going to declare the word of the Lord. I'm never going to give up and I'm going to speak adamantly. As long as you want to stay here and argue, I'm going to declare the word of the Lord over my situation. Amen. And the third thing you've got to do is speak assuredly. Don't doubt the word of God. Doubt your doubts. Doubt your thoughts, but don't doubt the word of God. Speak with boldness. You're never convincing if you're not convinced. You're never convincing if you're not convinced. Have you ever seen somebody try to sell you something and they weren't convinced? I've got this candy here. It says right here, this is the greatest candy in the world. And if you would buy some, you too will agree. But I know you don't want none, do you? If you're not convinced of the word you're not going to convince your enemy because you're not going to speak with conviction, with authority. Amen? Too many times we speak the word with timidity and with fear. We speak it as though we hope something will happen instead of we know something's about to happen. That we know there's spirit and there's life in these words. And whenever I speak them in faith, there is a sound to faith. There is a sound to faith. You remember when blind Bartimaeus was sitting by the wayside. And the Bible said Jesus was coming by his way. And he began to cry, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Huh? And Jesus stops in the middle of the road and has asked his disciples, who, who is it calling? And they said, master, you lost your mind. This throne of people are around here. Everyone is yelling your name and you're asking us who's calling you. But he said, no, I heard a sound. I heard the sound of faith. I heard somebody that's going to be healed here today. 
Amen. All of these people are speaking. All of these people are talking. But through all of it, Jesus hears the sound of faith come to him. Glory to God. I want to tell you there is a sound of faith that whenever you begin to speak the word of God in faith, when you speak the word of God with authority and boldness, it's going to ring in your enemy's ears and he's going to know that you know the word of God has power over him. Amen. I heard the other day that a scientist did a study of what happens when an individual speaks. When a person speaks. And this is in the natural, of course, but I gather spiritual implications from it. But he said that when a person speaks, their words shred the atmosphere. The atmosphere that is here before me, but whenever I speak, it shreds the atmosphere and goes through the atmosphere. Tearing and shredding the atmosphere apart till it goes to the however far the force of my voice will carry it. Now, I'm not sure why they would do such a study, but it led me to what the word of the Lord says. Whenever the enemy is the prince of the powers of the air, he has an idea, he has a plan, he has an assignment, he has a strategy against you. And whatever you release into the atmosphere, if it's if you agree with it, it's going to be there. But if you begin to declare the word of the Lord and the assignment of God over your life, it's going to shred the atmosphere and the assignment of hell. And you're going to be able to walk into the power of God and the fullness of what God has intended for you. So when he comes to put that in your mind, when he comes to reminds you that of your death of your destruction of your desolation you've got to speak the word until you believe it and you as you believe it you declare it and as you declare it it crushes the atmosphere of the enemy and gives you liberty and freedom in Christ Jesus the Hebrew boys were convinced come and help me Melissa Hebrew boys were convinced. They said, we don't know if we're going to be delivered or not. But we're convinced of one thing. And that is that we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve Him whether we live or whether we die. We're going to serve the Lord because we're convinced that he is God. Amen. You got to have a knowing in your heart. You've got to be convinced of the word of God over your life. If you're going to talk back to the devil. In Acts chapter 19. There were seven sons of Siva. They weren't convinced. They just had seen it done before and so they thought they would go talk back to a devil and the bible said that the they said we adjure you 
in the name of the one Paul preaches. Right? They had no persuasion. They had no conviction. They were not sold and convinced of Jesus. They were just trying to use his name. And the enemy speaks back and says, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? to tell me to go you're not even convinced you don't even know the power of that name and yet you're trying to use that name the bible said that that spirit got a hold of them tore their clothes off and sent them home you don't play with this thing i said you don't play with this thing you gotta know who you are and know Christ is in you and be thoroughly convinced of his word and begin to speak it with authority and never back up from it and allow that word to begin to create your life and your world because it is spirit and it is life maybe the enemy's got you backed into a corner maybe you you say today you know what pastor I've been silent too long on this thing and today I'm going to start talking back today I'm going to declare the word of the Lord over my life over my family over my finances over my health wherever it is I'm going to take control of my appetite because my assignment is far greater than my appetite And I've got a mandate that I'm going to fulfill in the name of the Lord. Stand with me today. Sister Melissa sings today if this word is for you. I want you to come. I want you to ask God for courage, authority, to speak his word. God, when I'm challenged with my appetite and my assignment, let me choose my assignment over my appetite. Let me live the life that you've called me to live. Spirit speaking to you today. I want you to come today. I want to pray with you this morning. Let's talk back a little bit.